Good morning. Can everybody hear me all right? Okay. Good, good, good. How is everybody this morning? Good. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I just wanted to thank everybody for coming out this morning and joining us here in church and online. Um, I would also like to thank the elders this morning for allowing me the opportunity to speak with y'all. Um, this time of year is such a special time for us Christians as we get a renewing of joy and hope through remembering um, the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ. And with these gifts in mind this morning, I would like to talk to y'all about a few gifts that God has given us that we can reciprocate to one another. So with that being said, can we please stand for the reading of God's Word? We will be in Acts chapter 20, and it is going to be verse 32 through 35. And it says, Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Please bow your heads. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for this, these gifts that we're about to be reminded of, dear Lord, and I pray that you ultimately use me as a vessel to shine your light and to shine your glory and to use your words, dear Lord. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Thank you all. Y'all may be seated. <clears throat> so, the first uh, gift I wanted to talk about this morning is going to be God's commitment. And one of my favorite coaches from high school, his name was Coach Sapanic. And you could kind of explain him as our motivational speaker um, at, at a sense. And so, one of the things that he would always do is he would always give us riddles. And one of the, my favorite riddles is a pretty common one that many of you may have heard before, but it's the riddle of the chicken and the pig when it comes to breakfast. And it goes, what's the difference between the pig and the chicken when it comes to breakfast? As young teenage kids, we would always come up with these ridiculous answers to try and make it a joke. And fortunately enough, this meaning um, behind this riddle was a lot deeper than what I had initially expected. He said, for breakfast, a chicken simply provides an egg. So it's simply involved in the, in the meal because eggs are a great source of protein and it's a common breakfast item for a lot of us. However, after a chicken lays an egg, it simply goes on about its business. So it provides a small portion, but it's not fully involved in the meal. When we talk about the pig, the pig has to devote its entire life to becoming the meal. It's fed and it's grown all, all throughout its life to become the ham and the bacon. So ultimately, it has to be slaughtered for us to have the pig for breakfast. And so the main point the coach was trying to get across was determining whether we were committed or we were simply involved. He would run around the weight room and he would run around the practice field yelling, are you a chicken or are you a pig? And... <laughs> To a lot of us kids, that's, that's kind of hard to get motivated because we're not really thinking if we're a farm animal or not. But um, I, I remember one time vividly, he, he was in the weight room and a, and a kid's squatting and uh, he's got this weight on his back and he's one of our heavy lifters and Coach Sapanic runs over to him and, are you a chicken or are you a pig? And he, uh, <laughs> the, 
the kid starts shaking, and you kind of see his, his mouth, and he's trying not to laugh. Well, he rolls the weight back off of him, and it drops down, and from then on, we called him Chicken Little, except <laughs> Coach Panic, we would have to explain to him that it wasn't the sky's falling, but weights are falling, so uh, you'd have to kind of watch out when he, was, when he was lifting. But going back to commitment, so fortunately enough, at this time, of the year, we get to remember God's commitment to us, and that's through him giving his son Jesus for us, our Lord and Savior. And so ultimately, we get to uh, know later on in Jesus's life that he dies for us individually on the cross. And as God has provided his son to be sacrificed for us, there's no denial of God's gift of commitment to us. The next gift I would like to talk about this morning is God's forgiveness. And the past few weeks, our high school youth has been um, learning more and more about God's forgiveness and how to not only forgive others, but to forgive themselves for their mistakes. My favorite highlight from the past few weeks has been our game of musical chairs. And if you haven't heard about our game of musical chairs, we have two very, very competitive sisters that, uh, Tegan and Clancy, um, they're going around the table and they're the last two and they're sprinting and running fast and slowing down and sprinting and running fast and slowing down. It, it was nearly as if they were trying to train for a marathon, but um, ultimately the uh, music stops and it was like ringing the 15th last round of a boxing match as they are diving for this last chair. And uh, they're, they're getting after it, they're getting to this last chair and um, Tegan ultimately won, um, our, and so she's our musical chair champion, but she, it came with a price. She uh, actually has been in a walking boot, and I think will have to be for the next few weeks. So, so we've banned musical chairs. No more musical chairs. Um, so we won't be playing that. We've learned our lesson. But the good thing about this childhood game that we got to teach our youth about in correlation with forgiveness is as each round goes on, one of the chairs is removed, and somebody doesn't get a chair. As the next round goes on, another chair is removed, and another chair, until ultimately we're left sitting alone with one person left. We asked our youth, how would you feel like if this was how your forgiveness worked? If our forgiveness went and somebody were to make a mistake and to hurt us or harm us, and we removed a chair to where they would not be allowed in our life, Ultimately, we're going to be left standing singly alone. And further after that, we asked our youth, how would you feel if God's forgiveness worked this way? If after you made a mistake, you lost a little bit of God's love and you lost a little bit of God's faithfulness and a little bit of God's forgiveness. And ultimately, we would be in a very, very bad position if this is how God's forgiveness worked. But thankfully, God's forgiveness has a seat for everyone. And no matter how many mistakes we make and no matter how many times we're going to be wrong and we're going to fail throughout this life, we'll always have a seat at God's table of forgiveness. Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And if we're to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us, it'll have to be on a continual basis and a continual process as we're getting forgiven on a daily basis through the sins throughout our life. We then talk to our youth about forgiving themselves. 
We explain the importance of understanding and accepting God's forgiveness for the mistakes that we make. Because if we're to live a life of shame and guilt for the sins that we make, the devil's going to try and hold us in that position. And he's going to try and hold us in a spot where we feel like we can't move forward. It's going to, it's going to um, keep us in a position where we can't go and spread God's love through forgiveness and forgiving others. The deceiver wants us to think that we're stuck in the mistakes that we've made and that there's no other option. But as we talked about earlier, Jesus ends up dying on the cross for us and forgiving us of our sins. He was held on the cross for our sins so that we wouldn't have to be held in this life. And Jesus has already paid the price of being held so we wouldn't have to be. So ultimately, we need to let go of our shame and our guilt from these sins and understand and accept God's forgiveness. And the best way that I can image letting this shame and guilt go was from another speech that Coach Sapanik, my high school coach, had given me in, um, in high school before our first uh, playoff game. And it was a story of Alexander the Great. And as Alexander was moving his empire across into Persian territory, he knew that his men would be outnumbered. As his fleet docked on Persian soil, he commanded his men to turn around and burn all of their ships that they had arrived on. <clears throat> giving his men no opportunity for surrender or retreat. As his men asked how they would return home, his response was, we return home victorious on Persian ships or we die. My request for you this morning is to turn and burn your ships of guilt, shame, and grievance toward others. If we keep these ships afloat, we will certainly die in bitterness without experiencing the true gift of God's forgiveness for each of us. Please turn and burn your ships. The last of the many gifts that I would like to talk about um, this morning is God's proof. And God's proof is in his scars. And God shows his proof through his scars in a story in John about one of his disciples, Thomas. This story takes place after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, and he's going back to his disciples. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 27 reads as follows. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord, shouting rejoicefully. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and this time Thomas was with them. Through the, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then, as you could imagine, he turns to Thomas and he says, Put your fingers where the nails were. And he shows Thomas the scars. Right now, we may all be in a position where Thomas is because the Lord hasn't called us home yet. And we're waiting, as Thomas did, for the seven days in this period we call a lifetime. And through this lifetime, we've made many mistakes that seem like could be a total hell on earth. It may seem like a bottomless pit of sin or a spiral of sin that you can't get away from. But I would like to remind you that one day, Jesus will call you home and he will tell you to look at his scars so that we can see that there's no more nails in his hands and that it's already a past wound and it's already been forgiven. He will tell us to put our finger where 
where the nails of your sin and your shame and your guilt were held so that you wouldn't be held. The evidence so that we can stop doubting that he has forgiven us. So please stop doubting that you're loved. Stop doubting that I, you didn't make, that God didn't make you exactly how you were supposed to be. Stop doubting that your mistakes are too big and stop believing in the lies of the world and start believing in yourself. Because one day you will too get to see the proof that every mistake you've made was already paid for through God's merciful blood. The devil tries to hit us with this hammer of shame and guilt throughout our lives through these mistakes. But the thing that the devil doesn't have anymore is he doesn't have any nails to hold us. As Jesus has already been held on the cross for our sins, and Jesus has overcome those nails. Jesus couldn't be held by these nails forever, but he was held for us, so the devil couldn't hold us in this life. Now finally, let's talk about how we can give these gifts to one another. As the holiday, sorry, you can give your commitment to your spouse, your family, and your friends, and our God through your time and your presence, because there's nothing better you can give them than the gift of your committed presence, not a halfway presence to where we're, um, to where we're distracted by our phones and the things in life that are going on, but a full, committed, and devoted presence like Jesus gave to us. Be the pig of your life and be committed. Next, you can give your family, friends, and even your enemies and yourself forgiveness as Jesus has forgiven you. The next time we think someone has done something horrible enough to us to not forgive them, ask what if God didn't forgive you for that? For the Bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you don't have a condemnation to put anyone in this church or out in the world in. Think of Jesus hanging on the cross by the nails of your mistakes and he forgave you. And you can't forgive them for one single offense. And lastly, you can give the gift of sharing your scars. Because as Thomas needed to see Jesus' scars for him to believe, there may too be a non-believer that needs to see your scars to believe in Jesus' love. And there may be someone going through a wounded period right now that needs to see your scars so they can know that they can make it through it. Let's stop looking at our scars as bad memories and think of them as a gift that we've been given to help one another. We're going to open this morning's invitation. And I'd like to extend an invitation to anyone who would like to make a commitment to join our church as a member. We would love to walk with you on your faithful journey and would love for you to join our church family. I would also like to extend to you an invitation to burn your ships of your sinful past, burn the ships of your shame and guilt, and accept Jesus' love and forgiveness for you. And finally, I want to extend an invitation for you to commit your life to Christ to accept Jesus into your heart as your Savior so that one day you too can see the scars that he bears for you, so that one day you can fully understand what it's like to experience God's merciful love for you, a love that is shown through the scars of your sins that he's forgiven. Please bow your head and let us pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for the very many blessings that you've given us, dear God. Just thank you for these gifts that we're reminded of that we can ultimately reciprocate to one another, dear God. I pray that you leave us today with church, 
leave us from church today with this message in our hearts that we can ultimately commit ourselves to you, commit ourselves to our family and our friends. We can burn the ships of our shame and guilt and ultimately accept that we are forgiven by you, dear God, and that we can share our scars with one another to help them know that they can make, make it through what they're going through, dear God. I ask that you watch over us and keep us safe throughout the week, and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.